Hello, friend. Welcome to episode 24 of Sally's Performing Arts Lab podcast. Every day I gotta stop for a minute. Think about how good my life is with you in it. Every day I wanna stop and think about you. I'm your host, Sally Adams, and every Monday evening, I talk to people about making original work for a live audience. Leave your comments, give me a review, or send an email to sally at sallypal.com. Your ideas keep great conversations coming every Monday evening. Thanks so much for sharing the podcast and the blog, especially this week, because Sally Pal is one of the featured podcasts on Podbean, my home platform. So if you're listening to me on your neighbor's Wi-Fi, give them the gift of Sally Pal by sharing the app. You can download it on any device you choose, preferably a device you own, but whatever's handy. Don't forget about the freebies. <laughs> on sallypal.com join. You can still get your 20-page free theater resource. It's a glossary of live performance support you'll need for your show. It's useful, entertaining, and you have my permission to copy the pages and trade them with your friends. It's all about sharing here on the Sally Pal Show. Episode 24 features Liza Vest. Liza is a longtime professional stage manager and a longtime friend with Broadway experience and a master's degree from the Yale School of Drama. She's also a former Tulsa Holland Hall student, along with her sister, Robin. Robin also sports a master from Yale and is a sought-after set designer. Liza had so much good stuff to share that I ended up with 10 pieces of great advice in the concise advice section. She's humble, she's fun, and she's at the top of her field. My son, playwright Will Inman, was right in the middle of rewrites for his play, Winners, when he called during taping. Very unprofessionally, I had my phone ringer on, but since Will and Liza know of each other, it was fun to connect. With their permission, I included a snippet of the call. People in the performing arts are no different than people in any other profession. It's always good to make connections. Luckily for Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I lived and taught for many years, Students have options when it comes to the performing arts. I mentioned Clark Youth Theater during the podcast, as well as Holland Hall School. But we also have Spotlight Youth Theater and Edison Eagle Theater with Amber Harrington, where all three of my kids got amazing performance opportunities. This might be a good place to tell you I am a huge fan of performing arts education. Not only have I been a longtime drama teacher, but I had opportunities when I was a kid in church, school, and the communities where I grew up to learn about performing on the stage. My family has always supported my passion, just as I encourage you to support the young people you know who want to learn more regarding the performing arts. One way you can do that is by sharing this podcast. The performing arts is about so much more than getting a job in the theater. Be sure to listen until the end of the interview for concise advice from the interview and words of wisdom from George. Let's get started. Welcome to Sally Pal. Hi. Liza Vest. Liza is a former student, but much more than that, she's a graduate of the Yale School of Drama, as is her sister, Robin, who is not here with us today. Liza is a stage manager 
Ice capades, isn't that how you started? Well, I got that job. That was a life lesson. Well, I got offered that job and they like faxed me an agreement. I was like, no, I need the hard copy to sign and send back. And by the time I got the hard copy, they had canceled the tour. What? Yeah. So, yeah, oh, they... No. That, that offer lasted like a week. That was really disappointing. Well, that happened? was right out of school. Yeah, that was looking good. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened after that? Well, I moved to New York, which has been the plan all along. Mm -hmm. And I got really lucky. My mentor from Yale had been offered a show off-Broadway and couldn't do it. And said, my student Liza just moved here. Why don't you talk to her? And I got the job. It was at the Vineyard Theater down at Union Square. And it was a play called The Batting Cage by Joan Ackerman. Lisa, oh, awesome. Lisa Peterson was the director. Bian wow. Cox was in it. Anne Petoniak was in it. Wow. As much as I love the old chestnut. Sure. Right? You can only do it so many different ways. There are only so many yeah. different versions of chocolate sauce that you can put on your ice cream. <laughs> I don't know. Chocolate sauce may be a different animal. Okay. Point yeah. being. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There are only so many... Midsummer Night Dreams, you can... Yeah. We've seen the circus see. one. We've seen the one on the moon. We've seen, you know, the one done in 1920s New Orleans. So, right. you know, there are people out there who want to produce original work and not just stage plays, but dance and mm -hmm. choral work and the, the gamut. Right. What is it that is missing for people? What do they need to know? Because you are the first stage manager and you are, in my book, at the top of the heap as stage managers go. Thank you. Right? And I met stage managers. I met Broadway stage managers. Mm -hmm. And none of them impressed me as much as you. So Very there kind you have of it. You. <laughs> Being a Broadway you stage be. manager yourself. <laughs> you might be a little biased. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. You were one of the stage managers on uh, Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? Well, I was a replacement on that show. So one, the other assistant on the producer's tour, which I had done eight years earlier, became the PSM of that show. He was originally the first. Um, very About a month after opening, they fired the production stage manager, and he bumped up. And there was a job for me, and it was a combination of making sure he knew I was looking, because I, I was working on another very successful show, but off-Broadway, and I had been with it for about a year and a half. It was Love Loss and What I Wore, or Efron and Delia yes. Efron. You were doing a lot of shows written by women. I did do a lot like. of shows that's written fantastic. by women. That's fantastic, because that's not a category that's full to the brim. It's true. And that show was very special in terms of how many women were working on the show. It was directed by a woman. Two of the designers were women. The, the lighting designer and sound designer were male, but we liked them. And uh, <laughs> They were in touch with their feminine side. Yes. Yeah, the producer was a woman. The, general, the company manager was a woman. So I think that might be know, unusual, is it? It is. And it, and it was a very supportive environment, too. Mm -hmm. We had our one man who was our lighting and soundboard operator in case we needed to carry something heavy in, but no, we, <laughs> we did, we loved him. So yeah, it, it was a very unusual experience. It was very yeah. unusual in how supportive all the women were of each other. Yeah. Um, but you went from that to Mary Poppins. I went Poppins. from that to Mary Poppins, okay. yeah, and I did the last two years Was of the that run. a cultural shift? Yeah, very much so. It's, it's really hard to step into a show that has been running. It had been running for four years at that point. Okay. So it's really hard to step into something that's got its own culture and a well and is a well-oiled machine and has been for a sure. very long time. You kind of, at first at least, have to make yourself fit into that. Yeah, and you're the new kid and right. 
They know more than you do, probably. At least about that show. They yes. absolutely do. Yeah. Right, and right. it's, it's their baby. They've been doing it for a long time. So where did you go for Mary Poppins? So Mary Poppins closed. This was part of the the year of 2013 that was really bad for me. The hell year. The hell year. Mary Poppins closed. I got pretty lucky right away. I, I um, Really? Will, I'm interviewing Liza Vest right now in North Carolina. Oh, my God. Hi, Will. How are you? Good. I told her about you interviewing with Teresa Rebecca. The changes are very minor, but um, that's, I mean, that's what she does. She comes in with a freaking machete and just cuts away all these lines. And I'm like, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know. It always makes so much sense when you actually do it, right? (laughs) I know. Yeah. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye, baby. Oh, that was funny. funny. Post Poppins. Post Poppins. I right away like went to Good Speed Musicals. So I did this musical, Aging Barbershop Quartet. And in the first scene, one of the members dies, and so they are auditioning people. And this Sikh man comes in, and he becomes like the fourth person. So it's okay, you know. And is he wearing his turban when they Mm -hmm. perform? And that's part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Because there has to be a conflict, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the conflict and hilarity ensues. And then I went from that right to Williamstown Theater Festival, where I did a production. This was an amazing production of Tom Stopper's Hapka, directed by Evan Yanulis, starring Kate Burton, Reed Burney. So I did like these two kind of quick things right in a row. And I was away from home for 12 or 14 weeks. The idea when I started Love Lost and What I Wore, I was the ASM. I was going to sit backstage, not have much to do because it was actors reading scripts on stage and figure out what my next career was going to be and did I need to go back to school. And before opening, I got moved, bumped up to be the PSM. And, uh, no time. And then Mary Poppins happened. And, you know, it just strayed yeah. in a very lucky way. So I thought, well, let's get back to that. And the guy who had been... The general manager of Love Loss of What I Wore, he and I had been talking for a long time about me moving into general management. So mm-hmm. I went to work for them as a company manager Okay. and did a couple of shows. And then this job at Triad Stage came up. It was actually more money than I was making in New York. Closer to family. <laughs> Closer to family, yeah. lower cost of living, all that stuff. Have you ever imagined yourself as the managing director of a theater company? I have. I know that I'm not very entrepreneurial. Really? Really. And I took a, the Actress Fund in New York has, they're a support organization for theater professionals. They have a great career training program. Okay. And so I did some testing with them and I I went to meet with the career counselor and she was like, you don't have an entrepreneurial bone in your body. Oh no. (laughs) I "I really don't. I don't want to start anything. (laughs) But yeah, I, I do like that idea of... Especially, I, I find that about myself now, like my, my favorite parts of my job are the days when we're sitting around just throwing ideas against the wall. What if we do this marketing initiative? Or what if we were to do this play? Or if we wanted to do this project, how much lead time would it take? Coming uh, into an existing company? And... I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think so. So you're kind of um, the guy who comes in and saves the day. <laughs> You could be. I could be. The fixer. I mean, now it comes down to where would you want to do it? And that is one of the frustrating things with theater is that it is very location-based. It's still all about who you know. You know a lot of people. I do know a lot of people, but people don't always leave those jobs. I think we're about to see a big turnover in the regional theater. There are people who are, are close to retirement and... And they're just like, we've been waiting a long time. It's true. Um, (laughs) 
would you advise someone in your shoes? It's kind of like any job search. You just start talking to people. You start getting on the phone and letting and them know, letting, letting them know, but also how did you do it? What did you do? What was your path? Where do you think you're going in the next four or five years? <laughs> Will you be leaving Are that job at any time You know, or now that you, we've talked a little bit, what do you think is best for me? Where do you see me? So you would advise you to do these things. Yeah. Is that advice that you would take? Um... It is advice that I think is very good. I don't, it, it's just, it's, you for don't me, take it's, your own advice. I don't. <laughs> for me, it's always the execution. For me, it's always, and you know, this is something I've been working on for many years, but I get so tunnel vision on work and doing things for other people and not letting sure. other people down and not doing for me. I think it's a thing a lot of women face. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's always, something someone who needs something you know and that might be you asked me about being a professor at one point i'm like i'm not sure that takes me in the direction of having a less crazy life there are very few stage management professorships yeah and about two years ago there were like five that i applied for and that just seemed like a huge number to me so yeah your your choices are limited you did clark theater in tulsa Uh when you were a kid is that when you started thinking i might like to do this forever (laughs) (laughs) i guess so i mean i think between clark and having you as a a teacher it was so much fun and i wish it had been longer than a year i'll tell you what true west was one of the best experiences of my teaching career honestly i still remember your ex-husband standing on the the outside as like i drove up in my 71 malibu and Mm -hmm. John Parker drove up in his like seventy something Mustang and saying like I thought we were at Holland Hall. Where are your co- oh, where are no. your nice cars? <laughs> we're those kids. Yeah. And for whatever reason, those kids that are on the periphery are always drawn to theater. Yeah. Why do I think that is? By its very definition, it's an inclusive community. You really can't do theater as we know it alone. No. That is true. It is not solitary. You always have to have at least two people, a storyteller and an audience. Yes. And if you're going to make the play work, you have to be a community. The audience has the final collaborator. Yes, absolutely. No, there, there's no point in doing a play. with what, what, A play without an audience is not... It's just... That's just pretending. I don't know what that is. So I think that's probably why kids are drawn to it community community there's not there's there is some competition but not there's always a place there's always a place what you do and i know you even in high school were not positioning yourself as one of the superstar actors Mm -hmm. you acted but you weren't particularly interested in having lead roles i don't i didn't get that impression I oh, think you would have taken them if they had come like, along. I always like skip, giving the, getting the reward of that. Yes, but winning, yes. you know. it's nice, right? Because you have a lovely a singing voice and you're a very person. talented actress. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think I always knew. It was so funny when I went to OU my freshman year of college. I remember that summer thinking, you know what? I'm probably not going to be an actor. I'm probably going to do something backstage. What made you say that? I don't really remember. Because you'd acted a ton. I had acted a ton. I hadn't hadn't stage managed. I hadn't. um... Well, you did stage manage True West. Oh, that's true. It was like. That's true. I don't know. Was that your first stage managing? Probably. But between Holland Hall and Clark Theater, I had done a lot of backstage work. 
Yeah. And run, been on running crew and run the light board and right. built things. So I kind of knew what it was like. And I kind of had that in the back of my head. I was like, I probably won't be an actor. And maybe even I'll get a minor in business so I can do arts administration. Right. So that's always been there. And then I got to OU and I got advised. And they didn't know me. They didn't recruit me or anything. So at the time, it was a very heavy acting directing program. Mm-hmm. And... um you know, they were like, all right, you're a freshman, you're going to take blah, 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 blah. There you go. And I got swept into that for two years. I was yeah. like, I'm going to be an actor and a singer. You know, it wasn't until my junior year, I wasn't passed on to the advanced acting classes. I had started stage managing before that, but, but that's when I really shifted my focus. And I was like, I still want to be in this business. Mm-hmm. I still want to do this, but it's not going to be performing. Well, stage managing is such a different animal. Mm-hmm. And I think people have no idea. Once the show opens, the director is no longer the boss. They're right. a member of the audience. Yeah. Because the boss now is the <laughs> stage manager. It's not the producer. It's not the director. On a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no one who would disagree with me on that. Yeah, because when you're in the theater and the show's going, once the show starts, it's, you know, it's, it's a... Uh, fast-moving train and your job is to keep that train on track and not stop yes and so so yeah when you're in the theater it's you and the actors and the crew and you know you're relying on each other so who's calling cues in the professional world of theater if you want to look at a show like, like okay, so Mary Poppins had five stage managers. That's a lot. A Broadway musical is required to have three per the equity, Actors' Equity Union bargaining agreement. Okay. Head stage manager, which is usually called production stage manager, and then two assistants. Okay. Poppins, we had five. So we would rotate. When you're in production and you're teching a show and through previews, usually the head stage manager is calling the show okay. all the time. Isn't that disabling for the people who will call the show later that they haven't had that practice? Well, you find a way to practice. <laughs> you find ways, okay. It's, it's actually really terrifying. And, and it was one of the things that calling Mary Poppins for the first time was one of the defining moments. So you get a tape. You get a recording of the stage manager calling the show along with the show. Yeah, and you, you watch them do it for a long time because there are visual elements. You've got, we had like five monitors. So you have to know which monitor to look at at which point and cue light switches. So yeah, you just sit there with my book, my tape, and just, you know, practicing. <laughs> if you're lucky, there's an understudy going in at the same time and you get a put-in rehearsal. Okay. And you've got everybody there and you can call it during the rehearsal. But I, my first show was a Tuesday night performance with... 1800 people crowd. Yeah. yeah and what do you do if you feel like you haven't made a mistake but you feel like you've been a little slow you just have to keep going yeah it's it is a very present thing can't get in your head about it you can't get in your head about it yeah do you have people that make it more difficult or do people pretty much leave you alone and let you do your thing? People pretty much leave you alone. I mean, they understand. People, people know. Yeah. yeah. Now, the, the great thing about being on a show like Mary Poppins and having people who have done it for so long is they're not going to let you hurt someone. Okay. As you know, if you call the queue for the automated house to track down stage early and there's people in the way, he's not going to take that cue because he knows. He's watching also. Aren't there union rules about not following the cues? Like, don't, if you say go, doesn't that mean go? Well, yes and no. There's a yes little, and no. There's a little mush there. Uh, for myself, I I look at the crew as being, you know, they're they're kind of the failsafe. They're the check and balance. I suspect there's sort of a presence of mind you have to have 
in mm-hmm. order to be that guy yeah. or gal. You know? Yeah. You just have to be very zen, I suppose. You do, and you have to be very focused, mm-hmm. very in the moment. What advice would you give to someone who thinks they would like to stage manage at that level? Because, you know, they're stage managing in school. Yeah. They're stage managing in community theater. Then right. there's... Then there's... Broadway. That. Yeah. Most stage managers on Broadway will, if you write them and say, I'm a stage management student at XX High School or University, mm-hmm. I'd like to come watch you call the show one night. They'll invite you to come watch you call the show. Really? Yeah. Have you done that? Mm-hmm. Is that not distracting? It can be. Yeah? It can be. You don't put someone who just learned to call the show last week with the guest, okay. <laughs> you know? Okay. Because, yeah, there, there are things, and there are times that you can point things out to them. There are times that you just can't. And they've got a headset on. Yeah. You know, you try to give them a headset they so they can on. hear what's going on. That must be awesome for a student. It's really great for a student. That's yeah. probably the better than any piece of advice they could get. There's a great publication called The Theatrical Index, and it used to be run by one guy from his dining room table. It lists every show, who all the major players are, and how to, you know, how to contact them. And you them. just look and up the just... stage manager and contact them. Yeah. So you could come from... Idaho, mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to be in New York, could I? And they could say no. They could absolutely say no. There's one show I did where the calling desk was, was, was right next to the stage deck. So there was literally no room for someone to stand there and watch you call the show. Right. It wasn't because we didn't want them there. Yeah. It was because it, it was dangerous and would have obstructed the flow. But we could put them on a headset in the house. And so they could listen and while, while watching I, the show. I just want to say... How awesome I think that is. And I want to encourage people to take advantage of that. It is an incredibly great opportunity. It was something the Stage Managers Association started called Operation Observation. Okay, I want to shift gears just a little bit Mm -hmm. because you've done some original shows. You've Mm -hmm. been the stage manager on some shows where everything is fresh and new. Yeah. And there's no template. Right. As a stage manager, what is your part in in that process. When you come in is probably largely dependent on your relationship with the playwright or the director. Okay. You're usually either hired by the director or you're hired by the general manager. So, you know, when you come in can kind of depend on that. But usually you come in and somewhere right after the design process has finished. So you've got designs, you've got a script. There'll probably be another rewrite before you go into rehearsal. There'll probably be a rewrite the night before you go into rehearsal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So you're copying. That's what Will's going through so, right now. Exactly. So yeah. 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 So you're copying scripts the next morning. So the main thing as a stage manager you're tracking is changes. You're also keeping records of what you did the first time. In case you want to go back. So you must have to be an amazing annotator. Yeah. Filer. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know. Yeah. So you're, you, you are kind of keeping, keeping a log of everything that has been done, that you're daily saying, we had this idea in rehearsal. What do you think of the pink hat? You know, um, so, you know. So I'm ask you about like, what you think of the pink hat. Okay. Um, or, you know, like you. I love the pink hat. I hate the green dress with it. You right. Know? You're communicating with either the designers or the shops. Sure. You're like, can we execute? Can we get a new pink hat? Because yeah. there may not be time to get a pink the hat. The lighting colors are all wrong for that pink or hat. Or the lighting colors are all wrong. Or, you know, that, that was a specially molded piece of felt. We don't have time to do, you know. Yeah. That's a three-week wow. process. We're a week away from tech. Because that's the world you're in is where you do things from scratch and build things from the ground right. up. And theater is a generative art form. Once you're in the room, you can plan ahead all you want, but when you're in the room and you've got the creative 
level goes, you know, expands. Yeah. And so now you're adding the creative juices of a whole lot of different people. Mm-hmm. And that turns into something else. So you're playing and you're generating and new ideas are coming up as you're going through the rehearsal. How exciting is that to be in that room when all of that is happening and you're part of it? It's exciting. Is it, it stressful is or is it just... It's really stressful. Really? So what? where does the stress come from? Sometimes the stress is from not knowing. There was one play I was doing, the director, that, you know, we want them to come through with just a bunch of sports equipment. I was like, well, what do you want? Like, well, what do you have? Like, but what do you want? And, you know, it was like this back and forth between the prop shop and the director. And I was like, I'm just in a huge state of not knowing. Like, I don't know anything. Um... So, you know, for me, it was always my personality type is that I was always nervous about being right, you know, in the moment saying, yeah, when the director's like, what did we do last time? This is what we did last time. And You're comfortable there I, because you know. Well, but you have to be sure. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah. that was, you know, there was like a, a performance anxiety for me. Okay. From that. Keep yeah. your notes. And it took me a long time to learn that. You will make mistakes, and it's okay that you make mistakes. There is one supreme being that does not make mistakes. Otherwise, it's all good. (laughs) Have you ever felt like when you were sitting in that room and you heard people do their thing, and then you thought, these people, they don't know any more than I do. Is it sort of a moment to relax? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I find those moments come when... the, The greatest moment is when you finally realize that you've worked with a director enough that... As a stage manager, you can collaborate. You're a voice in the room, too. And you have directors and, like that. And I do have directors like that, yeah. yeah. Let's say there's a, a senior in high school, mm-hmm. and she's gone to observe. Yeah. And she's decided, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. What, did, what would you tell her? Things, something maybe that you wish you'd known? That's a good question. First of all, I feel like I really lucked out in my college choice. I didn't really research what I was... Stage management wasn't really on the horizon, so I, I didn't know that it was a very great generalist school, that there wasn't really probably going to be a stage management class, and I was maybe going to be the only one, but I was going to learn a whole lot about everything else. And then I was able to go to another school and focus Mm-hmm. on what that was you know if you know as a senior in high school that that stage management is what you want to do there are a lot more undergraduate stage management programs than there were when I started mm-hmm. OU being one of them I went the master's degree route you do not need to have a master's degree to stage manage you know you, you can go to a more structured undergraduate program mm-hmm. and learn what you need to do stage management is is a skill that's based on experience there are things you're just not going to know until you've experienced them. And the more people you talk to that have done more than you have, it might still be hard when you're in the moment to remember what's supposed to happen next, but it's a really good educational tool to just talk to people and, and maintain contacts. And Would you recommend stage managing for local theaters, community theaters? Mm-hmm. That yeah. value? I think so, yeah. Because it's also, it's, it's a leadership position. You need to be really good at working with people and creating an environment where people are safe to play and people are safe to work. So yeah, anytime you can get yourself in a rehearsal room and take to heart when people give you advice or criticism or, you know, 
this isn't the time to talk now. Like take take those things into heart and learn how to interact with the room. Yeah. I'm so glad you were able to come oh, and talk to me you. today. Thank you. Was that was that too hard? No, that wasn't so hard. The okay. wine helped. <laughs> Excellent. It's time now for concise advice from the interview. A short version of tips from my guest, stage management sorceress, Liza Vest. Get up, get up. Here are 10 great bits of advice. The advice is geared for stage managers, but it's actually great advice for life. Number 10, to make theater work, you must be a community. Number nine, once a show starts, it's a fast moving train and the stage manager's job is to keep that train on track and not stop. Number eight, find ways to practice calling cues. Number seven, remain present and keep going no matter what happens because you must be focused and in the moment. Number six, if you are a stage management student, most stage managers on Broadway will allow you to watch them call the show. Number five, to find out how to contact a stage manager, get a copy of the Theatrical Index to look up shows and stage managers. Number four, stage managers must be adaptive because theater is a generative art form and new ideas can constantly change the needs of the work. Number three, get as much experience as you can, but you don't need a master degree to stage manage. Number two, ask people who are doing what you want to do for their advice. And the number one piece of advice from stage manager Liza Vest, talk to people and maintain your contacts. That's it for concise advice from the interview. Next week, you'll hear my conversation with the founder of New York's Body Stories, Teresa Fellian Dance, Teresa Fellian. I know, I'm super excited. Check out the blog, sallypal.com, for articles and podcast episodes. Sign up for a free creator's notebook insert at sallypal.com join. Thank you for sharing, subscribing, reviewing, joining, and thank you for listening. I want you to pursue your dream to have original work on the stage in front of a live audience. It's scary, but I'm here with resources, encouragement, and a growing community of people like us. I'm Sally, and this is Sally Pal. The P-A-L in PAL stands for Performing Arts Lab. Now, I have one bit of wisdom from George, my husband, the coolest guy on the planet. Hey, George, what's your wisdom for today? Boldness has genius and power and magic in it. Well said, George. Excellent advice indeed. If you're downloading and listening on your drive to work, or falling asleep to my super soothing sounds, like my sister does, let me know you're out there. I want to help you create original shows for a live audience. All the performances you've seen on stage once lived only in someone's imagination. Now, go support a kid who wants to perform. My life is
Excuse me while I cough up a lung. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hey, George. What's your... <laughs> what's your advice for today? Oh, no. I was supposed to say what's your wisdom. Concise advice. I'm about to do that again. <clears throat> Where's my teeth? No, I'm not going to put that in. Oh, I like I lost my place. La, la, la. I feel amazing. I keep saying Sally Pal the blog, which there is a Sally Pal the blog. Ah, I forgot what I was supposed to say.